0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Old time Big Ten football. Touchdown Purdue. We just gotta go hard. four words for you beat down domination physical complete those are four words i would use to describe Purdue's 44 to 19 win over Illinois on Saturday this is the behind the rails of Purdue football podcast thank you so much for tuning in i'm your host Bryce Vance man what what a game I mean that was a game that Purdue needed they needed it in the worst way. It felt like it was a game where they played at a really high level both sides of the ball, they did some good things on all three phases of of the uh of the game and just took it to an Illinois team that has a lot of major flaws, but they took care of business. TCB took care of business. And you know who else takes care of business? That's BetOnline. Football is back. Purdue is back in a big way. And Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports, wagering, info, all the up to minute, up to the minute stats, news scores matchup breakdowns, get the latest game odds, spreads, totals from the NFL to college football right at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates with stats, news, and odds. From week five, moving on now, to the college football playoff and to all the way to the Super Bowl all the way up in February, BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions contest available anywhere online. Head to the website, today or use your mobile device to get in on the action remember to use the promo code believe b l e a v believe to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts and where i want to start with this game is just some important stats that stuck out to me and i think those Stats really made a difference, and some of the stats that I think we've talked about in the past with how this team has really come up on the other end of some of these stats. Third down, huge, huge all game long, especially for that defense. Um, Illinois was 2 of 13, and both of those third down conversions came like late in the fourth quarter when the game was already out of hand. Uh, Purdue, on the other side, was 8 of 13. And that's a huge difference for this team, uh, especially from where they have been playing um, and and really haven't been converting on third down. um, And they just have made it difficult uh, on themselves. Um, This is the seventh uh, time out of the last eight years that they've won the Cannon Trophy. And I think it it goes back even further than that uh, of how many they've won. In a uh, in a span of a certain amount of time, they've won quite a few um, over the last uh, two decades. So, um, Illinois had nine penalties for 83 yards. Purdue had three, just three penalties. Um, They were all five yard penalties, so 15 yards of penalty yardage. So, they cleaned a lot of things up. They did really some good things execution wise, like we talked about on third down, Um, and I think. Some of those changes can be how the coaching staff kind of approached this game. And the biggest thing that I noticed, um, and it was confirmed after the game, was Ryan Walters, former defensive coordinator for the Illini, ended up calling the defense. If you did not see this in the press uh, post-game press conference, Ryan Walters did confirm that he did call the defense on Saturday for Purdue. I think that made a huge difference. Uh, this defense was aggressive, all over the place, attacking, and really getting after Luke Altmyer, really shutting down lanes for any of the running backs to uh, that Illinois used. They really could not get going uh, up front. And that offensive line got beat down even more. You know, uh, I think Luke Getzey, I think, had to leave the game twice. Um, there was another uh, offensive lineman that ended up going down as well for Illinois. So, uh, an offensive line that was already depleted um, and not performing very well had two guys, you know, in and out uh, rotation type of guys that were just not living up to expectation uh, for Illinois. Um, Graham Harrell on the offensive side, he was actually up in the in the booth in the coaches' booth, um, not down on the field like he has been. Seth Dagey, the tight ends coach, had, was down on the floor. Uh, down the floor, down in the field. Um, So I think that made somewhat of a difference. I don't know if that's going to be the plan going forward. I would expect Harold to probably be in the press box for maybe the rest of the year. And maybe Walters, maybe this was just a one-time thing because he knew Illinois and kind of knew what they were going to do offensively. We'll see how that does going forward. I think he might just, is putting his hands into uh, the defense a little bit more, and and I think this was an important week for that. And I think it was, I think Walters kind of sensed that he needed to do something. Just because this defense is not performing uh, up to the level, especially in the back end. And you had so many guys step up today. Uh, you had Marquise Wilson make a p- couple plays. Um, you had Yanni Karloftis huge game with with OC brothers being out today. Um, you had Marcavius Brown who comes up with the strip sack and and is recovered in the end zone for the touchdown. Uh, he was all over the place, flying. Uh, his closing speed is is just tremendous. And I thought that Nick Scorton, Kaden Jenkins. If those two guys, either one of them, I think both of them should at this point. If if they don't get some sort of uh, all Big Ten recognition, where they're honorable mention at the very least, I know you know some of the bigger uh, programs or maybe some of the better overall defensive units are going to get maybe a little bit more recognition. And this defense is nowhere on the level of an Ohio State, uh, a Michigan, or an Iowa at this point but I would just like to see because those guys are just in the backfield constantly harassing quarterbacks I, I think that they're playing at a really high level and they're just making plays constantly they it feels like at least once a drive once every other drive they're in the backfield making a tackle making a play and those two guys are playing at a really high level and I think that's you know, that's really what helped today and put a lot of pressure on Luke Altmyer. And he really could not do anything except for the connection with him and Isaiah Williams, which I talked about in the preview. And in that third quarter, um, and we'll talk about that third quarter more specifically here in a moment. But in that third quarter, Isaiah Williams did nothing. He had two big catches in the fourth quarter. Uh, After having about 40 yards in that first half, I think four catches, maybe four to to six catches maybe, um, for about 60, four catches for 60 yards. That's what it was. Had my fours and the sixes mixed up there. Um, But after in that third quarter, he really didn't have anything. Then he had a couple of big uh, receptions in garbage time that really didn't matter. So I thought that this team played well on both sides of the ball. And I think that starts up front to steal a line from David Pollock, who I really enjoyed on college game day, still enjoy some of his content that he puts out on social media. It starts up front and Purdue dominated up front uh, for large stretches of this game on both sides. Uh, The offensive line held up well against Keith Randolph Jr. and Johnny Newton. Yes, they, they each made a couple of plays, but overall, there was really not a whole lot that those guys were doing to wreak havoc. Uh, Dylan Rosiak, he made a couple of plays from his linebacker spot. I I barely heard Gabe Yaka's name. uh, And he's one of their guys that flies all over the place. And I didn't hear from him except for one time in, I think, the fourth quarter when I finally heard his name. And I was thinking, man, that's the first time I think I've heard his name in a long time, if not the entire game. So, I thought the offensive line did a tremendous job opening up running lanes, uh, moving back the uh, front seven of Illinois, and really gave Hudson Card some time to throw, uh, and he made some beautiful throws on on Saturday to Deion Burks, uh, the touchdown pass to Garrett Miller, I'm um, I from if we're gonna talk favorite plays from this game, yes, it could be the Marcavius Brown strip sack um, that turns into that touchdown recovered in the end zone. That one, but just the execution part for me um, with Hudson Card stepping up, stepping into that throw, the route run by Garrett Miller where he gets behind the secondary, Card has to throw a perfect ball over a couple of defenders and it's just a beautiful play that that scores the touchdown that i think it extends uh the lead for Purdue in that second half but this this game you have to feel happy about overall because you saw this team play up to the level it's capable of on both sides and i thought that this signifies what this team can do going forward, you know, even starting next week. And we'll and, and we'll end the show with what I think this win means uh for this team. But I thought starting off that it got off to a little bit of a rocky start. It was three six, I think, after the first quarter, the only uh touchdown was the strip sack and the offense kind of took up beat to get going. But once they started to mix in the pass and the run game, and I thought the play calling, and I've criticized Graham Harrell, you know, a few times here on this show. And I thought he did a good job of mixing up the running calls and the pass. And the offensive line was getting push up front. And I I thought that this team was moving the ball very well, efficiently playing at a very good pace, a good tempo, not really trying to get up in a hurry uh, and call the next play as soon and run the next place as soon as possible. but the tempo was there. It really felt like Illinois was on its heels all game long and really didn't have an answer for anything that Purdue wanted to do. and Purdue didn't rack up a ton of yardage. Um, I mean granted, one of their touchdowns came on a, on a turnover. But you know, I don't even know if they reached a 400 yard. They came close to around 400 yards of total offense, which is kind of what they've been averaging. And they gave up, you know, 400 yards to Illinois. But it was about finishing drives, which Purdue did today. And Illinois just could not get off the field uh, or stay on the field on, on when they were on offense. And Purdue, you know, Illinois' defense couldn't get off the field. So, I, I thought just both sides of the ball played as about as well as they have all season long. You had special teams I thought performed well and it just felt like a team win team win that was a complete win and a win that Ryan Walters needed and I guess his first Big Ten win. And I think that going through the game kind of a game log style here that it, it really got off to a slow start the offensive line was kind of scuffling a little bit struggling to pass protect early on but they quickly fixed that in the uh in the second quarter and from then on uh, we did see another Maccabee fumble uh, and he's there's something that's going on it's struggling I don't I can't really tell with it. I, I, I don't know if it's because he's trying to extend the run every single time that he kind of, you know, loses his grip on the ball um, with his, you know, obviously his, his different style of running where his limbs are kind of all out there moving in, in different ways at times, but good thing you have Tyrone Tracy as well. And in ty- and Tyrone Tracy might be I know they're probably on the depth chart, they're gonna be listed as you know one A, one B with that or on the depth chart, but Tyrone Tracy is the guy right now. He's the one that's you know not having the fumbling issues, he's making the good cuts, he's running with you know purpose, and you saw even Dylan Downing get in the mix and have a touchdown run earlier. And I'm glad we got to see um, Tracy get in the end zone late in that game. And it feels like when they did that, when they allowed him to score to put uh, Purdue up 44 to 19, the uh, 44 to maybe even 13 at the time, that it felt like that this was a statement for Tracy and the offense signaling like, all right, you may not be totally our guy but I think if you look at the distribution of carries I think that he's kind of putting some space in between him as him and Maccabee as he's the number one guy and he's performed well. A uh, guy who's changed position after transferring over from Iowa has done I think a tremendous job. I think he's fit in well and I think he did struggle a little bit, you know, picking up pass protections early on this season, but I think all of the running backs are improving on that. And I think that maybe that's an advantage where Mockaby has still over Tracy and maybe he'll come along as the season goes. But I think he's definitely improving as a runner, as a, as, and as a running back as a whole, doing a whole lot of different things. Cause you know, he can catch the ball out of the backfield being a former wide receiver, but. I think he definitely shined on Saturday and proved that he could be the number one back going forward. Doesn't mean they should go away from Maccabi from at all. I think those two guys are still really dynamic runners, and you still have Dylan Downing as a power power running back. It was... It was a good thing to see after the fumble and Purdue went down the field so quickly, so quickly, and ended up scoring. Like, it was a big play to Isaiah Williams. He ends up staying in bounds and, and making a play that goes on uh, for an extra, like, 15 yards, and then uh, McCray pounds it in to the end zone rather quickly. I think it was, like, three or four plays. They were just moving down there right after that turnover. And it was a good thing, though, to see that this team responded right away. Purdue answered next drive. That was the, the touchdown run with Downing, uh 16-yard run. He finishes the drive, but they answered right away. And I, I thought that was a good response, a good response. And Purdue ends up tacking on a field goal going into halftime. I didn't love the end-of-half situation, the end-of-half play calling. I think it was like third and something, uh, and they run kind of a fade. I think it was to Burks, and it just didn't end up working. Didn't the play was kind of I didn't like the play call. I didn't like the the execution of it. It just and then you ended up settling for a field goal, and you you had still I think like thirty seconds left or so in that in the first half. Where you, and all you needed was, I think, five yards, and you still had another ten yards to get in the end zone. So you had plenty of space to work with, time, timeouts, and they just go for the go for the end zone with like thirty seconds left. Where I think they could have tried to least go for the end zone, and I, I think that might be my only spot where I could could really nitpick, is because I felt like they could have done more, added on to that lead, and. Put this game a little bit earlier than they did, but man, I I thought they still played very well because they ended up three sacks in the first half, five tackles for loss, and Purdue Illinois only had one sack. And Illinois at that time was still zero for six on third down. I think they ended up going like zero for ten, zero for eleven before uh, getting that first down, uh, first first down on third down. And they only had one point penalty in the first half. Purdue did. And they came out second half, and that was the drive that finished with the the Miller touchdown. And we even saw Jaden Dixon-Veal. He get his first career catch, so starting to see a couple more guys get involved. I think it was kind of a quieter day from Yassine and Sheffield, but I still think, obviously, those guys are just really good weapons. Um, for this team and you still have a plethora of weapons. And, and I think that's the good thing about this offense. If somebody's not having, you know, a big day, like you seen has had in the past and Dion Burks, you know, is only has two to three catches and that largely plays on what the defense is willing to give you and who they are willing to allow to have bigger days. As we saw with, uh, with, uh, this, this game today, Obviously I think Purdue was able to just run all over them and it really opened up anybody, which is why I think Burks got more involved. Uh, Max Claire had a couple of catches and I hope he is uh, able to come back soon as he left the game after uh, taking a shot. So I, but you have Garrett Miller who's back and healthy. So um, I, I think that, Thank goodness you have him back and healthy. Uh, Otherwise, you know you might see a little bit of a drop off in tight end production. But I thought Miller finished that drive with beautiful route, great throw from Card, and it was it was great. It was a good good start to the third quarter, and that kind of pushed this game uh, into a uh, another not a stratosphere, but just another another level to where they have been. Uh they it almost ended up in disaster and allowing Illinois to get back into this game rather quickly as Purdue was pinned uh inside their own five, I think. And no, they were like around the ten, but Hudson Guards ended up taking a sack and he lands in the end zone. Um so I thought it was going to be a safety at the moment, but referees ruled that his momentum kept him uh, down around the one, so that was the one. One of the things that stuck out, in one of the plays where the offensive line maybe have gotten beat uh, pretty badly on that play, and I think they Illinois sent pressure on that play. Really got back into into the grill of of Hudson Card. So you got lucky out there. You punted, but still Illinois wasn't able to do really anything. And it's credit to that front. You had Karloftis get a sack. Uh, I think you had Jenkins. Scorton was just all over the place. Um, I think Emba and Langham, I think played played well. They didn't really hear a whole lot from them. Uh, Humpage was in there a lot more today. I think uh, he played. I think he's played consistently you know, pretty well. Um, I think you'd like to see him maybe make a few, few more plays and get in the backfield a little bit more, but overall I thought the defense was just flying all over the place. And I think that's what you really want. And I think that's due to, in part, Ryan Walters calling this defense and kind of, you know, giving them the tools to say, just go out there and go, go. Don't stop thinking. And I think that's why at times, sometimes this defense looks a little slow and why I've, you know, maybe criticized uh, Cam Allen just maybe a little bit too much that he looks slow and maybe he's just out there thinking too much. And I get it. He's, you know, in a, in a, in a spot that, um, you know, maybe he's not right for or fit for at, at the moment, but the defense and Cam Allen was almost had a pick today. He was, they almost picked off. I think it was Williams. And he cut off a route and, and, you know, they were speculating on the broadcast. Maybe it was a little early, but I thought he played it well, perfectly timed it, came in there, broke up the pass, and this defense played probably its best quarter in that third quarter. And it was just a defense that was flying all over the place and making plays near the line of scrimmage, not allowing any big plays to go. and. I thought so many guys played at a really high level today. Snussy Kane. um, Sometimes it feels like I forget to mention him sometimes. Dylan Thieneman played well uh, also, but Snussy Kane, and they mentioned it on the broadcast. uh, I think Michael Robinson was the color guy. And he mentioned that, you know, sometimes Snussy Kane playing in the box, uh, in the box safety, that he can kind of be unblocked sometimes. And he gets that free run at the running back and, he came up quite a few times today and just made that thumper type play where you just come up and just boom, put your shoulder into him and stop any momentum that the running back might have um, and just create all sorts of havoc. And that's one thing that this Purdue defense has done, I think, at least a good job of uh, this year, is creating havoc and creating turnovers. And I Think they've turned the ball, turned the team over in at least four out of the five games. I can't remember if they had a turnover off from the top of my head right now against Wisconsin. Um, I want to say they didn't, but I can't exactly remember right now. So uh, they give up the score late, but it was kind of out of reach at that point. And they Purdue drove down, or Illinois drove down the field once again after Purdue scored with uh, the Tracy touchdown. But they were had backups in, and it was it was just kind of meaningless garbage time at that point. Um, what does this mean moving forward? I think it gives at least in the short term in the week that we have coming up this week. I think it improves your chances or gives you at least another notch of hope. You know, maybe you were at a belief of like out of 10, maybe like three to four of that you can go on into Iowa City and win. But now you're maybe at like a five or a six that you can go out there and win. It. And, and if I tell you that Cade McNamara left the Michigan State game on Saturday, and then didn't return. I don't think he played the entire second half, but they still ended up beating Michigan State 26-16 to in a, a low-scoring game. If he's not the quarterback, does that give your hope meter up to a seven that you can go out there and win? Gone out there and won before and, and recently. I just think, and, and we'll get into the preview uh, coming up on Thursday, but I just think that this is a game, and I predicted it before the year when we did our schedule predictions that this is a game that they can win. I thought I predicted that they will win. And I think that if you can go out there and score 31 points, 28 points, maybe, that's a game you can win, a game you can be in. Because this Iowa offense is not good. Not good at all. Um, and I know even against bad defenses, even against a bad Michigan State defense, Iowa still only put up 26 points. And there were chance of of fire Brian. Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator. Kirk Ferrens' son, uh, the O.C., And there were the chance at in the stadium at Iowa uh, on Saturday. And it feels like a very tenuous situation out there in Iowa, at least on the offensive side of the ball. And the receivers aren't involved a ton, a lot of tight end, a lot of running the ball, which I think favors Purdue. if, If they can perform how they have against running backs so far, and not running quarterbacks. And even even that has improved over the course of the last couple of weeks after just getting absolutely torched by Garrett Schrader. You know, Tanner Morcai, he had a, a run or two. Uh, I think he ended up scoring on one. Uh, but Luke Altmaier, he kept it on the first play from scrimmage today. And I think after that, though, really didn't have that many big runs or break off uh, a ton of, of runs that went for more than 15 yards. He might have had a, a one more. But it still feels like they shut down most of those running lanes, especially when it mattered in the second quarter, the third quarter, and even the fourth quarter. They they kind of tightened up after that first quarter when he broke off maybe a couple of his bigger runs on the day. But going forward, I think you have to feel more confident than you did um, going into this game i I still had some people thinking that I don't think we're gonna win today before the game uh when I put out my final score prediction, and i just I just thought that this is a game that Purdue could win i watching Illinois, they just didn't really move the ball that well offensively. Not a lot of big stuff deep downfield, and I think that plays into Purdue's defense. And I think that we can kind of translate that into Iowa's offense, not a big play type of offense, kind of a three yards in a cloud of dust type offense that's just going to try to grind you to death. And I think that really favors Purdue and how they want to play defensively and especially if Ryan Walters is still calling the defense i think that even favors them even a little bit more i'm interested to see what the line is on that game i would i would anticipate iowa being favored but not by much not by much so i'm excited to preview that game because i think we're going to i'm going to do more research on the hawkeyes probably going to watch a little bit more than i want to with Iowa, maybe not even, maybe not even watch the Penn State game where they got shut out and had four first downs. If you haven't watched any Iowa football so far, I'm going to save you the time, okay? And we'll talk about it on Thursday because this Iowa team and I've only caught glimpses of them from afar, and I I did watch. All of that Penn State game, it was on my second TV that I was watching that night. And brutal is brutal. If you can get after the quarterback, if you can slow down the run game, you give yourself a chance. And with the way the offense is performed for Purdue, I think they have a chance. We'll talk more about that on Thursday. Make sure you have subscribed to the channel. Um, we're getting more subscribers every day, that helps grow the audience. Make sure you like and comment on the video. To those that have been doing so um, so far, I thank you so much. Keep um, commenting, uh, add more people to the comments, uh, keep subscribing to the show, follow the show, subscribe, do all that stuff. Follow me on social media if you would like to. But until Thursday, when we have the preview show, I've been your host, Bryce Vance. This has been another edition. Of Behind the Rails of Purdue Football on the Believe Network, presented by Bet Online. I will see you guys on Thursday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.